Come on, everybody, just sing that. Sing it to the Lord. Say, I need you. I need you. Come on, sing it to him as an act of worship. I need you. I need you. God will allow the circumstances in life to get you to a place where you have to acknowledge that you can't and you've got to say, God, I need you. And, and for somebody today, I hear you, Lord, for somebody today, listen, it may be hard for you to ask for help. You may be that kind of person. I don't ask anybody for help. I just try to take care of myself. And the problem is, you will bring that independence into your relationship with God, the one upon whom you are to be totally dependent. Are you hearing me today? God, God is saying, listen, no, no, you don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to go through this by yourself. And somebody, you've been faking it, trying to make it. And this morning, God is simply trying to get you to understand that it's okay to say to God, I need you. To tell the Lord, I need, I, this thing is getting too heavy for me. It's more than I can handle on my own. 
You've heard the saying, God won't put more on you than you can bear. That's a lie. No, no, no. You're going to get more put on you in life than you can bear. But how many of you know you'll never have more on you than you and God can bear together? Have I got a witness in here? Can I get two or three more people to just stand on your feet and say to God, I need you? Come on, anybody else upstairs in the balcony? Come on, I need you. Come on, everybody. I need you. I need you. I need you. Oh, yeah. I need you. Come on, just look to heaven and just tell the Lord. I need you. Lord, I need you. Yeah. I need you. Listen, I, I'm just feeling led right now uh, that somebody's here today. And you want to you want to come and give your life to the Lord right now. You, you've been beat up and beat down and but but you know and God knows that you need to surrender to God and, and we're gonna sing and I want you to come right now wherever you are grab grab your belongings and and there are people who are here but you need to come right now and give your life you don't need to wait for the sermon right now Come on. I need you. Come on, come on and come right now. I need you. I need you. Come on, we won't look at you funny, I promise you. Matter of fact, matter of fact, listen. Just, just look at somebody and say, if you need to come, I'll walk with you. Just look to the person next to you. Say, I'll walk with you. And if you need them to walk with you, come on. Tell them to come on and walk with you. I see you coming. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. Bless you. I see you. I see you. Come on. I see you coming. I see you coming. Come on. Come on, somebody else. I need you. I bless you. I see you, my man. Come on, upstairs. Come on. Somebody else. I need you. Come on, somebody else. Somebody over here. Somebody over here. You need to come. I need you. Come on. 
I see you coming, my man. I see you. I need you. Come on. I see you. I see y'all coming. I see you coming. Lord, I'm call, he hears you. When you need him, he's there. I, I just don't want anybody leaving here today thinking that you got to make this journey by yourself. I need, I need somebody to hear me today. I, I, I know God has somebody watching right now. It, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. He is a God of another chance. God, I thank you for those who have come today. I thank you for those who have made a decision to commit to you, to following you, 
not just those who are in the sanctuary, but those who are watching right now, who are saying in their own private places of residence, their, their private praying ground, they're saying, God, I need you. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that those who need you would come to know you. And those who know you, God, the circumstances of life have put them in a place where they can now grow in you. God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way, God, in their lives. And help them to walk in who you want them to be. It's in Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Come on, somebody give God some praise in this place. Come on, everybody who's come, everybody who's come, if you go right up the aisles and head right out into the Northex, if you didn't get your coat, grab your coat, grab your belongings and come on and uh, follow those who are here so we can minister to you. Come on, let's thank God for those who have come. Yeah. How many of y'all know the devil's been busy today, amen? Man, we came in this morning and fuse blew on the heating elements. We didn't have any heat this morning, but it's feeling kind of warm in here right now. Some of y'all are fanning, you done took off your coats and everything. <clears throat> yeah, the old song said there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Hallelujah. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. We thank God for that love that we can share with one another. If you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. Man, we are just thanking God for his grace and his mercy. And... Uh, thanking God that in the midst of all that the devil has been trying to do today, God still gets the glory. Amen. Amen. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Now, um, for those of you who are wondering, rooted and grounded is our discipleship culture here at our church. Uh, we are committed not to having church, not to coming to church, but we are committed to being church. Uh, Ron Turner, come on down, man. I heard your voice up in the balcony, man. I need you to come on down uh, with me today. Uh, the Lord just, just put you on my heart, man, and I heard your voice. Um, I'm going to ask Ron uh, to come. Ron is a part of my life group in our last session, uh, he and his wife, and I want him to come and share his testimony about how God has been using him and has blessed him uh, in our Rooted and Grounded uh, sessions. 
Y'all show Ron some love, all right? Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Amen, Amen church. Amen. Yeah, this is a surprise. You caught me with that one. <laughs> well, um, Rooted and Grounded was, was, was a very um, different experience to me because it forced me, like I said in the group, it forced me to look at myself to see all the things that was wrong with me. And, and all of the areas, it took me to a lot of places and a lot of areas in my life, and it made me go all the way back and pinpoint where a lot of things that I did in my life, why it caused me to do those things. You know, and it forced me to see why I was, why I was running the streets like I was running them, right. why I was doing the things that I was doing, why I was lashing out for attention like I was doing. And rooted and grounded is, if you... I advise everybody to go through the program because if you really work the program like it's designed to work, it will really force you and put you in a place to where you will, it will bring you to an understanding of, of yourself and what you need to correct. And, and you can see God in, in rooted and grounded. And, 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 and the pastor has been a blessing to me in my life. Okay. Right. And um, uh, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. You know, that was a point in my life where, where you know, I, I was raised. I <laughs> go ahead and share it, man. When I, was, when I was doing all the things that I was doing in the streets and, and, and when, I, when I went to jail, all right. that, was, that was the moment where God sometimes puts you in positions to make you recognize and understand who he is. And when I, and when, when, like I shared in the group, when, when I heard those bars close behind me, that's when I understood that I wasn't going home. But I had an encounter with God when I was there. He, he, he slowed me down and sat me down to make me think about my life and what I was doing with it. That was some years ago, and God has been good. But yet and still, when I got into Rooted and Grounded, it made me go back and made me realize some things that I thought I had gotten over. Well, some things that I thought I had dealt with. But rooted and grounded helped me understand that, you know, sometimes you can take those things and you can lock them and put them away. Yeah. You can just put them under the cover, put them under the rug. But then, you know, and you just kind of lock them away and you don't really deal with the problem. So it's called rooted and grounded. So if you go back to the root of your issue. It'll reground you in God and help you start a new beginning in your life. Come on, y'all say, come on, come on, y'all give Ron a hand.
You know, I had, um, I had somebody uh, say that they didn't get anything out of rooting the ground. And I said, they ain't getting, they ain't getting anything. They ain't get anything out. And I said, well, they must not have been in any of the sessions then. They couldn't have, right? Because if you got nothing out, that means you put less than nothing in. Uh, that means you didn't spend time with God every day in your, in your daily devotions. You didn't do anything in your prayer life. You daggone sure didn't look at the strongholds. Amen. You, could, you couldn't have looked at them strongholds. And, and you couldn't have been interacting with your group. And you couldn't have been out serving other people. You, you couldn't. Th this is about helping you to be all that God wants you to be. And man, I want to thank uh, Ron. Uh, man, we, we, we've developed uh, such a great bond, uh, not just in Rooted before. And I asked him if he would be in my Rooted group when we started our group. And we had such a great group of brothers uh, in the last session, and uh, I want to thank him for taking that on-the-spot, impromptu coercion by the past right. to be open and transparent with us, um, and, uh, and, and that loud amen up there was his wife that was uh, amening him, and so uh, come on, let's thank God for Brother Ron again. Let's go to God and pray and ask God's blessings on our time today in his word. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. We pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. May you be glorified and may your people be edified and may the devil be horrified by all that you will do and say this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all, everyone has their it. Now, if you have to ask what it is, then let me help you. Uh, it is what's important to you. Your it is what you value. Your it is what you put maximum effort into. Your it is what you make sure gets done, not just what you want done, but your it also carries over into the way that you want it done. Uh, Travis Rucker gave me that phrase, your it, uh, because we would have meetings sometime and he would say, well, Doc, uh, her it is not my it. Or his it is not my it. Or my it is not their it. And so I finally had to figure out what the it was. And I've discovered in life that we are typically guided by the it's in our life, by, by those things that are most important, those things that we are most passionate about. Everybody has an it. But here's what some of you may not realize. God has an it. In other words, when you think about your it and what matters to you, I need you to know God has an it and what matters to him. God has an it that he wants to be your priority in life. He wants you to be passionate about in life. And I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that most of us focus on our it and never think about God's it. And so today, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to make some moves, to shift 
from what has been your it, what has been driving you to what God wants to drive you. For a few moments today, I want to talk to you from the thought how to commit to what God commands. How to commit to what God commands. If you have your outline, would you say amen? Amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. If you are watching via the World Wide Web or any social media platform, you can download the church app, Good Hope, and you can find the outline there in the app and you can fill in the blank, send it to yourself, save it, or you can go to our website, goodhope.org, and find the outline for today's message. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, is part of a larger pericope of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. Some of the most practical, basic teachings about life and living done by Jesus on earth is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 6, specifically, beginning at verse 25, uh, Jesus begins to highlight what seems to be a pretty prevalent problem among people, including those who claim to be followers of Jesus. He starts addressing this issue called worry. In verse 25, he says, take no thought for your life. Uh, That idea of Taking thought means to be drawn in different directions, to to not be focused, but but to have your mind pulled in various directions. And he says, worry by any other name is a thing that keeps you from fulfilling God's potential for your life. And he is concerned that you will keep worry from allowing you to focus on what his it is. So in Matthew 6.33, if you would allow me to use the term, Jesus articulates what the it of God is. That if you are going to live your life in a way that's pleasing to God, you've got to live in a way that you make God's it your it. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, you need to know what God wants to be the priorities of your life. You need to know what God wants to be the priorities of your life. Verse 33, Matthew 6, the ESV translation. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. The New Living Translation says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Jesus contrasts what you and I worry about with what he says we should be focusing on. Two things he identifies that should be your it. He says, First, I want your priority to be A, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God refers to the kingly rule and authority of God over everything and everybody, and specifically that the kingdom of God is established in you 
through you and around you. That God's rule and reign should first be manifested in your life. That you are committed to intentionally living under the authority of God and according to his values. That you are not moving and working to create your kingdom, but you are living in a way to help manifest the kingdom of God in everything that you do and everything that you say. See, I think the overwhelming majority of you would agree that you have been created by God. So the question is not so much who has created you, but who rules and reigns over you? Who directs you? Who directs your words, your thoughts, your actions, your attitude? Who is it that guides you? Under whose leadership are you living? Look at Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. The kingdom of God relates to your relationship with God and each other and with the world. You enter the kingdom of God through salvation, through your belief in Jesus Christ. You establish and expand the kingdom of God in your own life through sanctification, and you extend the kingdom of God through evangelizing, edifying, and serving others. But it's all about his kingdom and not the building of your kingdom. This, this idea of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God being manifested in the life of the child of God is so important that when the disciples go to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, earlier in Matthew chapter 6, he says, let me tell you how to pray. He says, uh, pray like this, our Father, verse 9 who art in heaven or who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here it is, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Now, y'all, if, if, if you're like me, the first prayer I ever learned was the Lord's Prayer. Yep. Uh, my grandmother taught me the Lord's Prayer uh, at the foot of her bed, and, and, and then I had to pray for mommy and pray for daddy, and I had to pray for everybody else. But, but, but she taught me how to pray the Lord's Prayer. But I've got to be honest with you. I prayed that prayer for years and never thought about your kingdom come and your will be done. Matter of fact, let's be honest. When we move through life, we're thinking more about building our kingdom than we are his kingdom. And we want our will to be done more than we think about God's will being done. You must make it your priority to allow the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, to manifest itself in our life and in our living. Can I ask you a question? How different would your life be if God was actually in charge of your life? How would your walk change? How would your talk change? if you actually submitted yourself to the rulership and the reign of God over your life. God says, I need your priority to be the kingdom of God. But then secondly, look at B, 
God wants your priority to be the righteousness of God. He says, here's my it, my kingdom and my righteousness. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, here's what I need you to understand. People are not naturally righteous. Wait a minute. You're not naturally righteous. There's an egocentrism, a self-centeredness, a self-seeking, a selfishness that is rooted in our flesh that's in all of us. And you didn't have to develop a high view of yourself. You were born with that sin nature in you. Uh, we were talking the other day, my wife and I, we was talking about one of the grandkids who had a toy and he wasn't playing with the toy, but nobody else could play with the toy. So much so, this, this is that selfishness now, that when somebody else went to go play with the toy that he was not playing with, he got mad and demanded that they put the toy down. And after they put the toy down, he walked away to go play with something else. Now, if you think I'm talking about children, then you missed the point because I'm talking about you. Because too many of us are too selfish to share, to be a blessing to somebody else with what we have been blessed with. Because the righteousness of God is not in us. And here's what I've discovered about the righteousness of God, y'all. And, and, and y'all, you may not like this, but, but let me help you. See, there are those of us who, because we are Christians, we think we are righteous just because we are Christians. Okay, let me, let me see if I, can, if I can make it plain. Um, so, I know some people, believers, who think because they are saved that everything they want and or think must be from God. Now, they don't check it with the Bible. They don't even bother to check it with the Spirit of God. They just think because I'm saved. If I think it and I want it, it must be from God. Because I'm a child of God, and if it wasn't from God, then God wouldn't let me think or want it. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. I need you to make your priority not your righteousness, but God's righteousness. Can, can I tell you how, how, how messed up we are even when we're trying to create our own righteousness? We think we're right even when we're wrong. Matter of fact, when we're wrong, we move the line for righteousness. So that we stay righteous and others become unrighteous. So we can be righteous even in our unrighteousness. He says, no, I need you to focus on his righteousness. Now, when God talks about his righteousness, there are two things you need to understand. He says, when you seek his righteousness, you're seeking first your position in Christ, 
And then you also have to understand that it should manifest itself in your practices for Christ. Positionally, I become righteous not because I am sinless, but because I am justified by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ who died on my behalf. So I am perceived righteous by God positionally because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but there ought to be some manifestations in my life that I am righteous in God by how righteous I am with other people. In other words, I can't be righteous on Sunday and foul Monday through Saturday. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. Right? There's this movement that we have to make to constantly focus on the righteousness of God that has been made available to us positionally and how we live in our day-to-day practices. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So we have righteousness in terms of the imputed righteousness of Christ that has been given to us, but we've got to live that thing out as well. That's why Romans 6, 13, let's read it together. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments, there it is, of righteousness, that my members, my bodily parts, and the parts of the body should be brought as instruments of righteousness to the Lord. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must commit to continually seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. You must commit to continually seek. Circle that word continually, underline it, highlight it. Continually seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Notice what the text says, but seek first. Now that contrastive conjunction that's there in the ESV, in the New Living Translation, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Here's what God wants you to understand. Everybody is seeking something. But Jesus does not want you to spend your time seeking the things of the world. He wants you to spend your time seeking the things of God. Why? Because when you spend time seeking the things of the world, you will not spend time seeking the things of God. When you seek, the Lord says, seek the things of God. It's not your kingdom and your righteousness that you should be seeking. Even as a child of God, you are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now that idea of seeking is an interesting idea. The word seek there is in the imperative mood, the uh, present tense and the active voice, which means what? 
Uh, this is a command of Jesus. This is not a choice. He's not saying, if you feel like it, I want you to seek the righteousness of God and the kingdom of God. He says, no, this is what you're commanded to do. This is my expectation for you, child of God, that you seek, you go after, you are intentional. You make it your priority to seek the kingdom of God. It's in the active voice, which means what? It's something that you're responsible to do. So if you're not seeking the kingdom of God, don't blame somebody else for what you're not doing. He says, you got to do this. You, you got to make this your priority. And the present tense means it's an ongoing action. So it's not a one-time thing where you say, okay, I, I was seeking the kingdom of God. I got saved. Now I'm good. He says, no, every day of your life you should be seeking. Every day of your life you should be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, making those things manifest in your day-to-day living. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say seek. He says seek first. Seek first. Uh, in other words, uh, make it a priority at, at the beginning. Don't, don't, don't wait till you get to the end and then seek. He said, no, 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 don't seek last. He said, no, seek first the kingdom. Uh, quantitatively, chronologically, make it first. Qualitatively, in terms of your priority, seek first the kingdom of God. See, when you seek the kingdom first, it indicates your commitment in terms of preference. It indicates your commitment in terms of intensity. Whatever you are intense about, whatever you are uh, preoccupied with, whatever you are passionate about, nobody has to get you to do what you love to do. Matter of fact, you're always looking for a chance to do it. You're always trying to squeeze in an opportunity to do it. And he says, that's the way the kingdom of God and his righteousness should be in your life. Here's one of the challenges that we have. Let me see if I can knock on somebody's door. Uh, you are all there for your business, but you hardly there for your prayer time. Right? You all there in trying to accumulate wealth, but you hardly there when it comes to worship. You, 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 you are, are, are focused. You are locked in. You go hard in the paint when it comes to getting, but you become absent-minded when it comes to giving. Yeah, so, so, so you're hard at, at the things that you want to accomplish, but you're soft when it comes to your walk with God. Some of you in here right now, under the sound of my voice, your, your, your passivity when it comes to God. If you were like that in your real life, you would be living under a bridge homeless. Oh, but you go after it in the world for material things. But you barely put forth an effort and not near the same effort when it comes to your walk with God. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom because the kingdom of God is a dynamic reality. 
Uh, it's not a static idea. God is constantly trying to break into history, break into people's lives. God is constantly trying to get more of your life so he can help you to grow more and more and become more and more like him. Remember, I told you the goal of God is not for you to become the best version of yourself. The goal of God is to help you become the best version of Jesus you can be. So when you become content because you're doing better than you've ever done before, the Lord said, you're just getting started. Because you do know all your righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord, right? He said, so please don't use you as the standard. Talking about I'm doing better than I've ever done before. He said, no, no, I need you to do more and more like Jesus than you've ever done before. And what God commands is what you must commit yourself to. To doing. So instead of spending your time worrying about things that don't matter, God says, spend your time focusing on and seeking the thing that really does matter. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to realize God will bless your life when you commit to what he commands. God will bless your life when you commit to what he commands. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things will be added to you. I need everybody to say, bless me, Lord. Now, here's the problem. When we typically say, bless me, Lord, we already have in mind what we want God to do, when we want God to do it, and how we want him to do it. But when you read this verse... And all these things will be added unto you. The question that you need to ask is, what are the all these things? And you determine the content of the phrase by examining it in its context. Whenever the scripture is presented, somebody comes to your house and says, I want to talk to you about what God says in his word. Never allow them to take the scripture out of context. When you take content biblically out of its context, then you set yourself up to justify improper conduct. You always want to make sure it's in context. So the question is, what are the all things that God is going to add? The New Living Translation says it well, and he will give you everything you need. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean everything I need? You, you mean everything I want? No. It's not everything you greed. It's everything you need. See, what he says in verse 33 is related to what he said in verses 26 through 32. Look at what the text says. Look at the birds of the air, verse 26. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you have need of them all. I want you to write down a word on your outline, uh, type it in somewhere if you're watching online. Here's the word, contentment contentment. See, some of you have never learned contentment. And one of the reasons you've never learned contentment is because you have focused on seeking and gathering the things of this world. And so because you are always seeking to get and gather more, you can't enjoy what God has blessed you with. You have never been content even when you've gotten what you thought you had to have in order to be content. Let me see if I can give you an example. Some of you were not content riding a bus. You said, I got to get a car. And then you got a car. It wasn't a new car, but it was new to you. And you wash that car, you figure, you wax that car, but that car wasn't enough. You, you got to get another car. You got to get a newer car. You got to get a better car, right? And listen, you kept on going until your discontentment wasn't in what you didn't have, but your discontentment was in how much you had to pay in terms of the note to get what you thought you wanted to have. Come on, some of you did it with a house. Man, you had a, you had a one bedroom, a studio. And man, you, I ain't got enough space. I got to get out of here. I got to get, and so you had to get another. And then you went and got you a three bedroom. And you, because you thought a three bedroom was going to make you content. And then you got a three bed. And you said, listen, no, nah, no, nah, I grew up in a house, man, with 10 of us using one bathroom. I got to have my own bathroom. And, and so now I got two bathrooms. Some of you got three bathrooms. You got three and a half bathrooms. And you only got two bedrooms, right? Oh, man, no, nah, you got to have your own throne. Discontent. Got to get more. Until your taxes are more than you used to pay in rent. And then you start coming up with, because not because you, you're in the house of your dreams, but it's become a nightmare, right? Because you got, man, you got, you got. You got, you got maintenance, you got, man, roof going out, you got insurance companies insuring you for stuff that they don't want to pay for after it happens. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, you got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. You got stuff breaking down in the attic. You ain't never been in the attic. Stuff breaking down in, in the attic. You're like, how's it breaking down? I've never been up in the attic, right? Yeah. Turn the hot water on, it's cold water. You're like, God, dog, what is going on? House leaning, termites coming. You're like, man, termites eating better than me. What's going on in this house? And you know what ends up happening? You wish you were back in that one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> Talking about I need the downsize, right? Because we never get to a place of contentment when we are worrying about what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, where we live, and there's always more out there, we will never get to a place of contentment. 
complaining about the 85-inch screen TV you don't have watching the commercial on a 75-inch TV. Y'all get quiet if you want to. I know I'm knocking on somebody's door. Some of y'all are laughing just to keep from saying, ouch. Jesus says, when you make God's command your priority, he says, all these things will be added unto you. Everything that you need. One of the greatest gifts you will give yourself and to your bank account is learning how to live on the level of what you need and not on the level of what you want. But you got to seek first the kingdom. See, we are accustomed to dividing life into the spiritual and material. But Jesus made no such division. He said, listen, how you walk spiritually is going to affect how you live in the material world. And when you focus on the spiritual, God, the Bible says, will take care of the material. That's why when he said all these things will be added unto you, that's in the passive voice. Which means, watch this, when I do what God has commanded me to do, the imperative, when I do what he commands me to do, he gives me what I need. He provides what I need. When I seek what I need, then I neglect what he commands. Are you hearing me? When I spend my time seeking cash, cars, commodities, creature comforts, clothes, and the like, when that becomes my focus, I have to neglect what God has commanded me to focus on. But God says when I focus on what he commands, he'll provide everything I need and give it to me in the spirit of contentment. Stories told of the queen, Queen Elizabeth, who had a merchant in her city, and her majesty wanted him to go abroad to take care of some matters for the kingdom. He didn't want to go. He struggled, and he said to her majesty, with all due respect, um, I would like for you to send somebody else because if I go to take care of your affairs, my business will suffer and will probably close. The queen is reported to have said, sir, if you will mind my business, I will take care of your business. Amen. Somebody today, I need you to know that God is saying to each of us, if you will mind my business, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, I will take care of you and all of your business. Amen. The worrying that comes with trying to take care of yourself is more than any of us would have ever dreamed it would be. When you were younger and you wanted to be grown, 
and you went to the mailbox looking for mail, and my father would say, uh, these are bills, and I, I, in my foolishness, would say, oh, I can't wait till I get some bills. <laughs> Don't act like I'm the only one, but I couldn't wait till I got some mail. Right? Couldn't wait till I got my own bills. Now I'm like, ooh-wee, I wish I can give all these bills to somebody else. I don't even want, I don't even want them. I'll not take them. Right? So I've learned even seeking the things of this world doesn't give you the peace. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God can bring you to a place of contentment, a place of peace that you've never been at before. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that everything that has been said and done has been pleasing in your sight. God, we thank you for those who have come and those who may come even now at this invitation. We pray now, God, that you would move by your spirit and help us as we seek purpose for our lives to recognize that we can find the peace that you have for us. Not just peace with you, but peace in you. And the peace of God when we commit ourselves to doing what you've commanded us to do. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.